Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. We play this song on the radio. We play this song on the radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Now and Again. This is the year in review. I'm Chris Podcasts. With me, as always... My wonderful co-host, and now, I mean, after last week, picking up my slack, just host of the show, uh, Nico Vasillo. Nico, how are you? Hey, you know, I'm uh, I'm doing great. I feel so bad that you guys gave me control of the show. I think that was a huge mistake. Uh, I am now in charge of way too many shows on this network, and way too much of the time, it's just me having fun with the different settings on <laughs> Audacity. It's like, phaser, slow it down, change the octave. It's like a, uh, it's like production on a Taylor Swift album. Oh, absolutely! Only there's a whole lot. I don't, I don't even have a joke. No, I don't have a joke. It's been that kind of year, man. Yeah. So this is the year in review, and um, it has been a year. We honestly have not recorded an episode of Now and Again. Maybe one. Uh, maybe record one episode since June, uh, because life, life finds a way to really just fuck everything up, and that's gonna happen again. This feels good. It feels, it feels good to be back. I've I've missed you. I've missed our conversations, and I'm glad we can do something that's going to actually drop soon, so that it's it's vaguely relevant. I totally agree. I'm loving doing X's for podcast with Kevo and Jonah and Kyle, and I we just kicked off uh, MCU.html, uh, which Kevo and I are loving doing as well. But there's something super. Uh, how do I? I'm trying to think about the way to put it. Uh, I'm in charge of editing those programs, so there's something very clean that comes out at the end. I'll seriously be like, hey, I love how you said that. Can you just take it back and say it one more time for me? I want a really <laughs> clean take of it. And Kevo's great about it. Kyle's great about it. Jonah's great about it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this like psychotic audio terrorist, and they're so good about my demands. I'm just like, I'm like the Hans Gruber of the network, and it's going so because it's Christmas, and yeah. uh, I come over here. And I know that all of these us are going to get left in. I know that you're going to keep in my stupid Hans Gruber joke. Yep. And it's a really different experience. Yeah. I come here to be unfiltered and real. Hans, Bubby. Uh, yeah, no, I love I love a good Die Hard reference because uh, despite the people who... I feel like, is it more hipster now to say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie or to say that it's not a Christmas movie? I feel like there's like a, a reversal of fortune, double ice backfire occurring now. That if you don't think it's a Christmas movie, you're the smug asshole. You know, I think it's partially because we got so into this idea as a culture of, uh, um, like, okay, I saw this article earlier today, and it was this person, and I'm going to summarize it really poorly, but basically this person was like, uh, I don't know why people get so mad at me when I use an umbrella term like queer all the time. God. Because uh, all of my gay friends like it, and then other people on the internet get mad at me. And somebody had to be like, yes, because everybody's entitled to their feelings, and you don't get to be the arbiter of what words trigger other people, because you haven't had that word used hatefully against you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's for some people the fear that the word queer erases the uniqueness of specific identity within the queer community. Oh, everyone's just gay. Oh, everyone's just queer. So, hey, you know what? It might be that same group of people, but it's not the same people. So, like, kind of watch yourself. I feel like culture culturally, we've become so comfortable with labels or uncomfortable with labels, and they're so weaponized anymore. 
Jonah, every now and then, will say the word mumble rap with such disdain (laughs) and, like, hate in his voice, right? And some of my students will be like, oh, did you... And they'll say, you know, whatever. I can't understand them because everything they do say sounds like mumbling anymore. It's why I'm... uh, It's insane. So... Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, they'll say like, "Oh my God, that's so Gucci," and I'll be like, "Don't say that to me." Bad. Just roll them up, roll up a newspaper, and bunk them on the nose when they say that. Bunk on the- I literally made that joke in the last MCU.html that hasn't dropped yet. It drops tomorrow, <laughs> and I made the roll up the newspaper and bunk him on the nose joke. Oh, we are so, the same. Also, I'll just say it's broke at this point to say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, but it is woke to remind people that Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie. Fidelio, bitches. Aw, Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie. It's, you know... It's it's about giving. It's And that's what matters. It's about giving. Uh, it's about Stanley Kubrick. It's about uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey and the sequel to that. And all the weirder sequels to that. And that whole ending where he becomes a giant baby god. I, I was reading all about... Because I'm going to say something weird. I've never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. Hmm. It's a movie I thought I saw, yeah. but then I realized what I thought was... Two, I'm gonna get, you're going to laugh at me so hard. What I thought was 2001 A Space Odyssey was I'd named one of the monkeys in Planet of the Apes Hal in my head, and like I guess I just kind of like pieced it together from like things I'd seen and having seen Planet of the Apes, but I, seriously, it was like two months ago when I realized that Charlton Heston wasn't the lead in 2001 A Space Odyssey, and huh. so I decided yeah. to read about it. But then I never watched it, and I realized that was not the way to fix having never seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. But I've read about it extensively now. Turns out there were a lot of really stupid sequels. I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Dr. Zayas. See, the only thing I know about Dr. Zayas is there's that song from The Simpsons. Of course. Planet of the Apes the Musical. But what's really interesting... I've only ever seen one episode of The Simpsons, and I've seen it three times. Wow, this is a downward spiral of pop culture on a pop culture podcast. I hate it. I've only ever seen one episode of The Simpsons, and I have seen it three fucking times. Inexplicably, every time I've ever turned it on. I I don't even know what the odds on that have to be. But, because there's got to be like 6,422 episodes at this point. Approaching it, yes. So, uh, it's the one where Mrs... Crab app, Mrs. Crabapple, because Kevin's tried to help me piece this together. Mrs. Crabapple, I don't know her name. The yeah. the teacher lady, or she's a secretary, maybe. Yeah, she's the teacher, yeah. Okay, she dates the principal. Yep. I've seen that one three times. Uh, the Simpsons is great before like season. I, hope, I don't need to say that. If you're listening to this show, you know The Simpsons is great before X season. You've had that argument with somebody. You haven't watched it in ten years. I don't have to say any of that. We know. We we know. We know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, it's one of those things, like, it's like you don't have to clarify when you're talking about Fleetwood Mac albums. You don't really mean anything in the 90s before the dance. Yeah. When you're right. talking about, you know, when you're talking about the Mariah Carey Christmas album, you don't accidentally mean the R&B one, though. Yeah. Uh, discussions about Jefferson Airplane don't end with Jefferson Starship unless you're trying to make a funny. Right. And, like, that's the thing, though. I, okay, so my husband and I get into it at the gym sometimes. I get sort of annoyed when we built this city comes on at the gym because, like, I think of Starship as the death of all things Jefferson Airplane. And I don't know that you can't not, 
And I, I just it, it bugs the shit out of me when it comes on. But he really loves that song. And like I actually think if I could objectively remove my feelings about the song from the situation, right, I would probably like the song. I would probably think it's just another cheesy 80s journey kind of song. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I would just think it's another um, any way you want it kind of dumb song and I would enjoy it but I so resent that I see it as the commercialization of Grace Slick that I just can't deal with it they also did um, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now didn't they yeah that's a good song though shit oh well um, so music happened this year too you could say did it uh, I loosely music happened this year this music this music year kind of sucked, in my opinion. Um, let's let's talk about that now. Um, disappointment would be my word of the year for music. Disappointment, feeling completely like I wasn't given what I was promised. I feel like last year's uh, best of show, I came into it really excited and being really pumped and jazzed to see oh all the things that are going to come out in 2018, all the things that are going to come out in 2018, but. I, I instead what I feel like delivered was was I, I still feel like I'm waiting on the promise of 2018 and I only have days left. I mean, yeah, that it's it's a really good um, encapsulation of life. It's it's a it's a microcosm view of life. Is 2018? It's just we were promised more, and there's only a little bit of time left. Yeah, and like I do feel like. I feel okay. I'm gonna save it for when I talk about um, the things that let me down. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little about the the really cool surprises that made me happy. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm very excited. So where do you where do you want to start here? Do you want to start with some stuff that we like? Do you want to start with some? I actually, you know what? Um, I want to start this conversation talking about. Um, I'm gonna review Chris's year. Um, my my year is a a, a low a low tier year. Honestly, uh, this year might be a three out of ten. Um, one of, one of the worst, one of the worst years of the year, if I had to rank them. And I think a big part of that has caused me to have some trouble with my music, honestly. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not a paid critic, so I I don't, I try to look at things objectively because I think it makes you a better, um, just a better like patron of the arts, like to be able to discuss the things that you like and why you like them. And be able to recognize why something is good versus something is bad. We have a podcast about that after all. I think that's important. But there are times when I just don't want to. And I'm not getting paid to. So fuck you. And I had a really rough year. And there's some stuff that I just don't want to. I don't want to do because of that. Um, I had a close friend uh, pass away about a month ago. I went through a, a breakup that was probably the easiest breakup I've ever gone through. It was like a mutual breakup. But it still it still sucked. I think, I mean, we can just jump into a very now and again thing. I think the fact that I don't really want to hear something that is sad, I guess is the, the most simple word I can use for it, uh, really made me not like the new Robin album very much. Even though I think maybe a year from now, removed from this feeling that I have, I think I could grow to like it. But where I am right now, I really couldn't stand to listen to that album. Can I uh, piggyback on Chris's year in Absolutely. Review? I had the most professionally successful year of my life ever, bar none, without question, without hesitation, without pause, without stop. I am so grateful for every opportunity and every amazing thing that came due this year. I feel so much like it's things I've worked for that are finally paying off. And 
shortly after Chris suffered his just unimaginable loss, which like watching your friend group having met your friend, it was just I I felt like a ghoul and a voyeur watching sadly from the outside because I had not gotten a chance to be better friends, but it was really sad, man, and it really broke my heart for you guys. Um, so not in any way to diminish the reality of that no. loss. I I had a, a I had a personal upheaval that I would pretty much and like Chris will back me up. I kind of put it at an eleven on the on a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. uh, and it it's left me in a really interesting place. I've never hit that I struggle with mental illness, and I actually something I love about going back and listening to the now and agains every now and then is you can actually hear me coming through my last episode. Uh, a few episodes ago, my last mental health episode, like a couple months back on the show, mm-hmm. you can hear me start to get better again, and it's it's a really cool feeling to be able to see that in our show, and it's part of what encouraged me to make more podcasts on the network. Awesome. That I could hear myself get healthier listening to now and again, and that's been amazing. I have not felt this urge to break down like I used to. I have not felt the need to go to uh, self harming extremes or 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 self. Or, or bad decisions. I'm, I'm not even in a place where I'm like, Kevo, you need to watch out and start paying attention to my behavior. It's nothing like that. I'm, I feel like everything I've worked for, I, I'm just too close to it to let myself fall apart right now. And somehow I'm holding it together, and it's because of the strength of my amazing family, my, my beautiful husband, Kevo, and our incredible boyfriend, Jonah. I'm just so lucky. And my friends, oh my god, my friends. And I like I do all my podcasts with my best friends. I have Chris here on Now and Again, and I have Kyle over on Extras for Podcast. And like I'm trying to fight through all this sadness. And I think what I'm getting at is the Robin album is this extended sad note. Yeah. It is this... It is this prolonged sadness that she won't let beat her, but she's going to sing through it, and it's everything I'm at right now. It is it is every inch of what I feel like. I've kept it on repeat pretty much nonstop because she has given me a way to deal with my sadness that's a little removed from me in a really direct I don't even know how to say it it and like some mornings I turn it on and I'm like no I don't want to listen to this today this sucks it it never goes anywhere and then there's other mornings where I'm like girl I get it I am honey I get it I'm a poo bear and I love honey this is me I'm just digging in man I so I I think it's a record that you do have to have an extreme reaction to no matter what because of what body talk body talk body talk everybody everybody let's go to the party and listen to body talk and we'll get real body so um because of what body talk was which was like somehow 20 perfect singles yeah. arranged in a row and like this Body Talk was a jukebox of the women inside of Robin celebrating all of their strengths and weaknesses as it related to their individual relationships, whether with their self, with a loved one, with a guy. All of that was Robin as the many women inside of her reacting to other people, and it was a really incredible experience. Honey is explicitly the the multitude that is Robin, the one person reacting to some sad single idea in her life. I can't even figure out how that song is not, that album is nine songs. And there's that one song, uh, I forget it's the one that has her name in it that where I'm like this is not even a song. This is like she was sitting in the studio and was like, "Yeah, man, let's put all these beeps together." <laughs> yeah. And like they they recorded it and everybody was like, "Great, it's a track. It's 
two and a half minutes, and I'm like, no, hold on, was this record going to be eight minutes, eight songs long? Was this going to be like a 26-minute album? I mean, this is the year of the short no album, so singles? maybe. Oh my god, this was... I, I was trying to explain to Jonah, I was, I was saying to him something about how um, when the last Mimi album came out, Me, I Am Mimi, no, it's Me, I Am Mariah, the Elusive Chanteuse, when that one came out, it was, the standard edition was 14 tracks, the basic deluxe edition was 19 tracks, the online super deluxe iTunes edition was 23 tracks, like, it was absurd! I mean, the title of that album is longer than most rap albums this year. Yeah, with a higher word count for sure, because I've decided that mm, is not a word. So I, I, I really, 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 really agree. Yeah, and I mean, I liked some of them. I, I have uh, on on my top twenty, I have a twenty-two minute album and a fifteen minute album, and and an EP, like an actual EP. It's it's six six tracks. Um, but I mean, I have I have a few here and there too. It's probably probably about as long as some of those. And yeah, it's it's been a weird it's been a weird year for music. Um, I've said a lot in the past. I'm like, don't don't threaten me with boredom. Like, albums sometimes go too long. Um, we've talked in the past. Um, I think in our in our little now and again chat, which is uh, you know, it's a peek behind the curtain. Um, me, Nico, and Joey will talk pop a lot. Uh, in in a little chat, and we all kind of had the same reaction. I feel like to Ariana Grande's Sweetener, which is that it's fine, but like what. Like, when I see that ranking high, like, I'm just like, what? what? And it is too long. It is an album that is way too long. What's crazy is I had actually finally started to come around on Ariana Grande. Um, she sampled a Mariah track recently, and I had, to, I had to listen because of all of the I don't know her stuff. Like, I needed to listen. Ultimately, I think I like Ariana Grande as a performer. I think it's who she presents to the world. This very, like... I think she's she's a kind of confrontational that uh, I feel she's a kind of confrontational that I feel a lot of people have a problem with it be, coming from a woman, but wouldn't have a problem with it coming from a man. But if you know me, you know I would have a problem with that level of confrontational coming completely, from anyone. Completely agree with you. And so, like, it, that's what it comes down to. It's that while I think a lot of the world genders her and is like, women don't talk like that. Watch your mouth. I kind of just feel like I don't know why you have to be so confrontationally rude about everything in every public appearance. I actually, I, I, I really have come to appreciate her vocals. I, I really do think she's an unbelievably talented singer. She's just such an over-the-top caricature in everything she does. It's hard for me to buy into the real person of it, and I do feel that time is going to reflect much less attractively on everything that happened this summer than I think I don't know um, I don't want to talk about anything that's like just not my place because like I do feel like there's something that needs to be respected about the privacy of celebrities whether or not we want to acknowledge it with Ariana Grande Pete Davidson and I can't remember the the uh, the guy who passed uh, Mac Miller Mac Miller that whole situation is very complicated and literally not anyone's right, exactly. fucking business, right? But now there's a lot of talk that Pete Davidson is out of control, depressed, and is is struggling to hold on. And this is a really weird conversation that we're having, that three celebrities were, lo- were locked up in some sort of... Co- 
constant Twitter flame war, constantly subtweeting each other, constantly calling out her ex-boyfriend in tweets together, he tragically passes away, and now the new boyfriend, who is now the ex-fiancé, is evidently in humongous mental and emotional distress to the point of near suicide where people are literally worried that he's going to end his life. I, I honestly don't follow any of that. I think they were married for a minute. I don't... But Pete Davidson... No, Pete Davidson, they never got... I don't Pete believe Davidson they ever looked like Jared Leto Joker. That boy might need some help. Yeah, I... And you know what? Like... I don't know. I think it is it is a really weird thing that time... I'm not... I don't... Look, no one is responsible for anybody else's anything. Mm-hmm. Period. End of the day, Mac Miller could have blocked them, could have quit Twitter. I'm not anything. No one did anything in my... In my you know what I'm trying to say. If I have something to say, it's just that that whole situation is going to be part of why social media is going to be looked at differently in mm-hmm. retrospect. Yeah. Weird. Weird year. Um, in so in so Weird many ways. Uh, so that's, that's we, we talked about Robin. We talked about Ariana Grande. Let's let's finish up with the pop stuff that maybe maybe wasn't the best. And, All right, well, then can I call one out? Can I? Um, can I do it? Can I? Party for one. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say the exact same thing. Um, I kind of forgot that it dropped already. Yeah, I I I have some highlights from this year. I have some lowlights from this year, and I have some. Well, you know what? I got what I expected from this year. But I think Party for One was one of those things where last year's best of, we talked with Joey, and Joey was sort of like, I don't know what I'm hearing here. You guys are being really negative on Carly Rae Jepsen. And Chris was like, no, I, I'm not being negative. I'm saying, I'm saying it's okay to not like something, but love the artist. And then I come in and I'm like, I kind of, I kind of agree with Chris here. I mean, <laughs> it's okay to like Carly Rae Jepsen <laughs> and not like the new album. And, you know, we did our shtick. This, and, this Cage Club one-man show is something that I, I'm going to have to buy a ticket to, I think. Oh, no. I like it. I like I, it a lot. I enjoy doing it sometimes when I'm listening to the other shows on the network. I pretend what I might say, and then, like, I'll do them talking back. I can't wait to hear I can't wait to hear your Joe, too, once you really get into two <laughs> Uh, I don't have one yet, so I'll have to come up with one. Yeah, uh, I think I think one of the magical things about Carly Rae Jepsen's emotion is that it could have been by anybody in a really weird way. I think that record is specifically what it is, but one of the things we've talked about is how many of those songs sound like they might have been written for other artists and were turned down. We know mm-hmm. one or two of them were. Yep. So... It's almost as if that record could have... It's a tapestry. That's... Oh, my God. I'm having an emotional realization. Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen is to tapestry by Carol Rae... By Carol Rae King. I quit. I quit. (laughs) By Carol King. It's an album of songs that were written for other people and in some cases were recorded by other people but came together to be one of the most significant records regardless of the fact that it wasn't necessarily intended as such. I think Emotion is a record that defined a generation of people looking for something generically more generic about pop music, but like more powerful about it. There is something that's really accessible about Emotion. It is all of your favorite 80s songs you've never heard before. And mm-hmm. it's something so magical. And Party for One definitely sounds like the follow-up to that record. I think we all knew that there would be regression with whatever she followed it up with. And even... Even when we got um, 
side B and when we got cut to the feeling those were still from the same session because I mean I guess the urban legend goes she recorded like 90 something songs for that or they were written or whatever um, and I yeah. think everyone was just kind of like so we're just going to get emotion part two which I guess is actually part three right like that's what's coming and no that that was never going to happen and you're always going to get regression from an album that is as good as that. And that's, that's okay. But I, I still, you know, my, my expectations for whatever we're getting in 2019, uh, miss you, kiss you or whatever, whatever we think it might be called. Um, I, it, I, my, my expectations are a little lowered, but I'm, they're still there because I think every lead single from a Carly Rae Jepsen album has kind of been like a bad song. Um, I agree. I completely agree. Like, um, I really, 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 really like you was not the best song off of Emotion. It's it's bottom tier, probably, and but it's still a good song. And Party For One might be fine in the context of an album when I'm listening to it to it from cover to cover, but as a single, I just, I don't, I've, I've, I haven't gone back to it since the first day it came out, honestly. I agree, actually. I think I've played it twice since, but I wanted to say something interesting, so you just put that in the bottom tier. I would as well. A song that I think we agree is in our bottom tier I, I i've never heard somebody say blackheart is one of their favorite songs on the record no, that's also in my bottom tier yeah until kyle co-host of x's for podcast champions episodes kyle puts blackheart in his top and i just never heard that wow. and i think it just sort of proves there's a foot for every song that we think might be an old shoe mm-hmm. i can't there's, imagine there's a why foot certain- fetish for every foot <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i was like no there isn't think about cloven hooves furries webbed toes i mean hey webbed toes we got the, the the fish fucking movie got an oscar okay the fish happy fucking movie got an oscar happy 2018 i can't even anymore i love that one of the biggest findings of 2018 is from basically every intelligent person's facebook in 2016 uh i can't even okay i hate this year i hated this it's, year this is the worst sucks. year ever it's oh my god so, okay, uh, yeah, Party for One, and I think the lack of a reaction has to be disheartening for her. I think there was so much riding on the creative importance of that song. I, I think about artists, so something that's occasionally crossed my mind, I, I recently went to Disney with my husband, Kevo. We went to, for his birthday, we like to go with the holidays, and we spend amazing time with our, you know, family down there uh, they're friends but they're family to us and that's we have a great time anyway uh, I thought the one that got on my plane was Alanis Morissette and I was like oh hard times Alanis <laughs> and then I realized it wasn't Alanis it was a woman who looked like Alanis did the last time I thought about Alanis Morissette and I realized that Alanis Morissette could be like a grandma by now she was the young smart whip snap rock lady in like 1996 and it's 2018 there's been 22 years and that made me think about the society the the kind of like media pressure that was put on her to record a follow-up to jagged little pill even one iota as as competent and one of the things that definitely occurs to me with that is she had uninvited in between and uninvited was kind of a a song that was hit or miss for people but when Thank You came out she did the only thing she could do 
she released a song that was the opposite of angry, and even though a good portion of her music wasn't angry, it all had that kind of like angsty lady vibe to it. I mean, I'm, my bread and butter is angsty lady vibe. I make angsty lady vibes, so it's not a judgment. <laughs> but she had that angsty lady vibe to everything, and then Thank You comes out, and it's just really positive and really happy. But like, so many of the lyrics are incredibly stupid. If you think, how about getting off of these antibiotics? Thank you, India. Thank you, terror. Thank <laughs> that, you, disillusionment. That song is real fucking dumb. And, you know, <laughs> I, I love that you said that. <laughs> like, that's all you can say about that. But I, I do love that you said that she got pigeonholed into this angry, angry chick rock thing of like the the coming out of the mid nineties because I mean, I'm, I just thought about like the, the singles off of Jag little pill and you've got, you know, yeah, that, the angry one about getting blown or blowing uh, uncle Joey in a theater. Sure. And then they got like ironic, which is, you know, dumb, but like thoughtful. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. 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 Hi. Yeah. Uh, hi. So angry. Head over feet, which I think is a really cute little love song. Um, love song. It's a total love song. Um, and you learn, yeah. which is the opposite of angry. And then she follows it up with uninvited, which Great is song. vulnerable and confessional. And yeah, no, seriously, it is one of the most overwhelming pieces of music. And then the next thing is thank you. And then I think the single after that might have been so pure, which is I love it when you dance so pure, so pure. She follows that up with hands clean, which is, you know, we'll fast forward to a few years later and no one knows except the both of us, which is one of the sweetest, most wonderful pop songs from that era it charted really well it was a huge hit for her she had a few more singles that uh kind of ran off that album that album was called uh i think that was under rug swept yeah under something yeah under rug swept and then there was a follow-up record that was the rest of the songs from those sessions and it's just as good and then she took a little hiatus and she came back with a kind of like dancey record and no lie it's actually a really good dancey record um it's very poppy uh i think it's so-called chaos um no or so-called chaos is the follow i don't remember she she's actually had a lot of really good music and honestly a lot of it's not that angry no it's it's, just it's a bad rap through and through fiona apple is probably significantly more so a baroque pop artist than she is an angry artist. I know her music has anger in it, but Kelly Clarkson released an angry record too, and I don't see everybody being like Kelly Clarkson, that rageful bitch. And but that's what they do about these artists who had one angry song. I would love to see like Blake Shelton turn to her on the. I don't know if she's on the Voice. I assume she is. Every pop, every, every pop artist is on the fucking Voice now. But I just love to see Blake Shelton turn to her and be like. Kelly Clarkson, you angry bitch. (laughs) (laughs) As long as she was like, yeah, Blake, fuck you. Exactly, exactly. Fuck you and Gwen Stefani. I'm going to fuck you so hard I fuck Gwen Stefani. Wow, we managed to fuck Gwen Stefani. I would take Kelly Clarkson to fight over both of them together, tag teaming. (laughs) I would take Kelly Clarkson in a fight over the two of them stacked on top of each other (laughs) like Vincent Adult Man in a (laughs) trench coat. Uh, absolutely. Oh my god, we're 30 minutes into this bond, this uh, nonsense episode. What are we... Anyway, and yeah, and it, so, so when I thought of Alanis, I thought of Hootie and the Blowfish, and I thought of, I thought of Rear Cracked View, and I... Reunion tour, and a new album coming from Hootie in 2019. It's going to be a better 2019, it has to be. If Hootie's back, how can it not be? 
But, like, the pressure on Hootie and the Blowfish to deliver a follow-up to Rear Cracked View, they uh, released Fairweather Johnson, which had that, uh, it had a lead singer, a single of um, Tucker's Town, and then the follow-up record to that had uh, the single I Will Be There, which was kind of a hit, and then Darius Rucker took some space, and I think he made country music for a little while, I think he did blues, I feel like I saw him do... He did pop country, there was, there was a track off of, um, off of that follow-up that had a lyric like... I think it was one of the singles, like, every time I look at you, he, he d- I go blind. And, like, he, he started singing like he was in Pearl Jam. And <laughs> it's just like, it's like, it's like they knew they were fucked after that album. That's actually from the same sessions as the first album. It didn't make the first album, and it was held over to be used on a soundtrack. And it was used on the soundtrack to Friends. Okay, so... I know we have some. Oh, we I go. know we have some young listeners out there who have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. But Friends was a television show about uh, what if New York City was entirely white. No, 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 no. Spoiled white people on Netflix. Spoiled white people on Netflix. You watch it all the time. It's just called Spoiled White People uh, on Netflix. The worst people at your coffee shop. The sitcom. Uh, somebody save Gunther. The sitcom. So. One of the things about shows in the 90s was, like, really successful TV shows would get soundtracks, and they would sometimes have new music by certain, like, you know, by artists that might be associated with the show. For instance, the Rembrandts, uh, is it the Rembrandts? It is. I I owned the single tape of I Will Be There For You, which had a, a second song on the other side that I still remember bits and pieces of. That uh, was not good, I bet. I actually have bits and pieces of the B-side from Macarena stored in my head. <laughs> oh, no. It's called Can You Feel It? And I don't remember who it's by, but it's like, Can you feel it in the air, in the air? Can you feel it? No, it's not. That was back when, like, oh. you, no, no. Because, like, if, okay. So sometimes you just wanted to make money, right? And you didn't really care how you made money. And so there was an artist. Le- Welcome to America, am I right? Right? Oh, my God. I... Welcome to okay. I feel like this is the year that really amazing people had secret, amazingly famous people had secret families leak. Didn't Don <laughs> Glover and Drake both have a wife and kid leak? I don't know about Don Glover. I feel like I would have known that, but one hundred percent, one hundred percent Drake. Um, that was in a freestyle. Someone, someone was just like, uh, yeah, surprise, you have a wife and kid that you've been hiding. I'm pretty sure it also happened to Don Glover. Hmm, okay. I, I just think, like, this was the year of everybody's got a secret baby, and I just don't know what to do with it. I just, I don't know. But so they used to hold songs off of albums That was Pusha for... T, sorry, I just double-checked. It was, it was, I thought it was Pusha T. It, it was Pusha T who dropped that. I was like, who does Drake have a fight with? Does Drake still beef with Meek Mill? Drake beefs with everybody at all times. Kanye West, in one of his um, extremely... Uh, huh. Well, you know, I might go into psychiatry, so uh, it'd be very um, unethical for me to say that Kanye West definitely is bipolar, but in one of his extremely possibly manic episodes, he just has started beefing with Drake again. I don't understand. Because like, here's one of the things. Sometimes I'll bring up an artist in front of either my students or Jonah, and I might expect them to know what I'm talking about, and I'll be like, oh, you don't know who this artist from three years ago is. Are you fucking kidding me? In When I was growing yep. up, I knew every... I, 
but you know what? I know that's weird. I do know that's weird. In retrospect, Chris and I were strange for having a better understanding of our parents' record collection than um, the things that people our age were interested in. And that was something that we bonded over. We did bond over having a really developed sense of music. But sometimes I'm just baffled by what people are like, oh, you mean this thing? The episode of Now and Again, Chris, I, I know you uh, had a chance. I know you know that it aired, but have you had a chance to listen to it yet? Oh, no. Uh, so I have to drive four and a half hours on Christmas back and forth. So um, I'm saving all of the Cage Club stuff that I've missed in the last month for that drive. I can't wait. Oh, and see, that's why I knew to ask. You're going to get to some stuff where I have to explain to Jonah what some songs are. Oh, my God. Yes. And it's baffling to me. Although what shocked me as well was Kevo didn't remember I'm Your Angel by R. Kelly and Celine Dion either. Dude, it was crazy. But did he have to explain to you Post Malone and his tattooed face? No, 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 not at all. That was, (laughs) uh, that's going to be something I bring up later. So (laughs) hold on to your dick. But I, it was, it's nuts to me. It was nuts to me the number of songs that came up. Chris Brown came up. Rihanna came up. Uh, R. Kelly came up. Jay-Z and Beyonce came up. And what was so crazy to me was it's a random week in December that just happened to be the, mm. the day the episode aired. I decided to just use that date for all the songs. I wanted 21 years of songs on that date. And it was so many songs and artists that we have been discussing just happened to have songs hit number one that day. Dude, it was it was serendipitous, the number of people that episode touched on like Hallmarks. It was crazy. I'm so excited to listen to it. Uh, and it, I, you at home, listen to that episode. It, I'm sure. I'm sure it's fucking dope. It was an opportunity for me to plug my other shows. I just had all my co-hosts mm-hmm. on, so it was like a it was like a crossover, uh, more like an invasion. Like like you guys ripped off your your now and again shirts and said NWO underneath, and then you power bombed me through a table. That's a, um, that's exactly what it, happened. Wait till you hear what I did to the theme song. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you were specifically like, no, don't send me. <laughs> I was specifically uh, like, don't send me it. <laughs> um, you mentioned, you know, growing up on our parents' record collection. That's a pretty good seg into uh, into some stuff from this year. Is I got back into record collecting because I'm a disgusting hipster. And, oh my um, god, I did the same thing. Help me. <laughs> yes. Um, so I finally uh, got my turntable all set up and going. And I started making really bad decisions with my money, and I, uh, I, I started buying a lot of records, uh, and man, I love them. Just honestly, people will be like, well, why are you buying records? And it's, it's pretty simple. Like, there's something neat about having a, a material possession that is that size, first off, because album art is cool. Fuck you. Album you art is so cool. And also, like, you, I slapped some headphones on. One of the first things, one of the first albums I got, not the first, the first was Alkaline Trio's self-titled album, um, which I bought like three years ago before I even had a turntable. I was just at a, a flea market and it was there for like eight bucks and I was like, yeah, fuck it. Um, but the, the first one I got once everything was set up was um, my, uh, my ex at, for Christmas gave me uh, Emotion because she, she knew me uh, and that was the first one I got. But I listened to One of the first things, once everything was set up, I put on my awesome headphones and I put on Gaslight Anthem's American Slang, which I have been listening to that album digitally for close to 10 years now, probably. And I I put that on on vinyl and just holy fucking shit. 
like I could hear every instrument in its own space. And it was so, it, it was like hearing it in a different way for the first time. And it honestly, it, if an album is mastered for vinyl and it's not just like a copy, I, can, I think Emotion might just be a copy of like the, the digital one put onto vinyl because the pressing is not fantastic. Um, but like if, if something is pressed for vinyl, man, it, it changes how you listen to music. It really, really does. Yes. But it does need to be pressed for vinyl. And I hate to be that guy because I, I, I used to be like, no one can taste the difference between Pepsi and Coke. And then I became somebody who was like, I can taste the difference between 17 different kinds of bottled water. And I re- I've, you know, landed somewhere in the middle. Like, people can tell the difference between some shit and not other shit and just fuck you for the difference. But, like, I feel like I can tell when a movie was not meant for 3D and they're forcing it into 3D. I get this, like, weird head warp and everyone's like, you can't tell. And I'm always like, I'm just going to look it up on Wikipedia. Nope, I was exactly right. Not like I'm right every time, but it's one of those things where, like, it just doesn't look quite right. And I've had enough bad experiences with vinyl where they just sound like muddled garbage. There's just yeah. no effort put into I, I've it. I've heard that the the pressing of um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is, like, one of the worst-sounding things ever. <laughs> like, I, that's something that I would love to have on vinyl, but people keep being like, no, don't do it. It just sounds like mud. That's Yeah, mud is a really great way to describe it. There's some BT records that are, are pretty not great, and uh, the person who, of course... Well, okay, well, fast rewind. My husband and my wedding song was I'm Yours. Uh, we had actually been a fan, uh, not like, <laughs> no, it's like, it's cute. We had really liked the song when it had been a B-side from uh, his second album. It had been a song I played a lot because for me it had been uh, just a song I really enjoyed. It was a B-side to, I think, Geek in the Pink. And so it was something I played, and it was a song we loved. And then he released the new version of it just as we were starting to get really serious. So it was, like, perfect timing. So I'm not like, uh, excuse me, but I've been listening to I'm Yours since before it was the real I'm Yours. No, it's like, no, it was so great to get to see this song grow into this monster. It was amazing. So we've actually been listening to it since before it was, you know, on We Dance, We Sing, We Steal Things. But, uh, sorry, We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things. But when that album was coming out it was such a big deal for me you know Chris will tell you from way back I was a humongous Jason Mraz fan and so when that album came out I went out of my way to get like every version of it and there were these cool EPs and there was this awesome package on the website that if you like pre-ordered the CD plus the three live EPs you also got the record so for like four years or no four years for like eight years or ten years I'd had this Jason Mraz record just sitting on a shelf and when I got a bunch of Tori Amos albums last year on Record Store Day, she released three and I got three. Uh, I I just was like, okay. Oh, <laughs> Give me how them many all, more please. Tori records are there? Oh, th- there's, there's, there's Marvel Universe soundtrack records. There's an alien green vinyl. What? What do you mean? What do you, what do you mean there's Star Wars records? Why? Uh, I also got Kimbra's uh, Primal Heart on vinyl, and I would really love to talk about Primal Heart for a minute. Do it. Okay. Primal Heart is one of those things where it's really frustrating because the first single came out sometime, like, mid to late 2017. Okay. And the album didn't come out till like, mid-2018. 
and five songs were released yeah. as singles leading up to the album. Mm-hmm. And the album's only like oh, 12 I... songs? Yeah, okay, so that's going to follow... Those at home, put a pin in that, because I have something to say about that kind of release schedule when we get to Pale Waves. It made me really angry, because I felt ultimately by the time I got the record, I knew too much of it. I felt like I'd gotten two EPs, one throughout the year and then one all at once. It felt very... Yep unfulfilling and I kind of want to reach out to record labels and be like guys do you see Netflix doing that do you see them giving you five episodes weekly and then dropping like dropping 12 or something no fuck you don't do it they're better than you they're making money you're not copy the people making money please stop giving me drips and drabs of albums for a year at a time and then dropping the seven you don't believe in all at once it's so fucking frustrating but I really liked it. I, I saw her live. I got to meet her. She was incredible. She basically played the album beginning to end. It's a really cool record. It's, I'll be honest, it's not the Golden Echo. I think the Golden Echo is one of the most fearless things I've ever heard in my life. It's a tribute to 90s R&B. It's a really phenomenal piece of music. I just really thought it was the most perfect record I'd ever heard. It totally inspired Kid Riot. And to this day, it's one of my favorite things to put on and just freak out to. But this record, really powerful, really emotional, really strong, very progressive. Throughout the months following it, she released a bunch of alternate versions of a bunch of the songs featuring Mm. new people. So Top of the World got a remix featuring Snoop Dogg. Um, yeah, because yeah. I, I, I really like that you you've been pushing that track for and not not in like a, a bad way. Like that's a really good, really good track. Um, but I, I heard that from you this time last year, probably, I feel like maybe even earlier than that. Um, and it's a really good song. But how is that with Snoop Dogg? It's fine. Uh, he just does a verse. Um, OK, there is a cut song called High Def Distance Romance. Right. And she out of nowhere dropped an EP called Primal Heart Reimagined and it features a couple of the songs from the album really stripped down and emotionally bare she released two or three singles with other artists Uh, for instance she did a version of me with Don Richard so she re-released like five or six so okay she releases this 12 track album that she slowly releases over a year and then within six months, she drops like eight alternate versions of the songs on the album. I love everything I've gotten. I really do. But I'm starting to feel like this thing was never fucking done. Mm. That's that's the problem you run into when you do these slow drip drab reveals. Yeah. It, it begins to feel like the record was never finished and I love what I got this is such growth such development she's showing perspectives I can't even imagine she's working with some really cool people she actually uh, one of the songs is co-written by Natasha Bedingfield oh. and what's funny is like as I'm listening to it I'm like I swear to god I it feels like someone else and I don't feel like I would have ever gotten a Natasha Bedingfield but as soon as I read it it clicked and I was like if we were like 10 more episodes into Now and Again, you might have gotten it. Yeah, it would have been like fresh in my mind. But it, I, I've been a big Kibra, a Kimbra person since way back. I've been pushing yeah. her on this show forever. I, I loved Gautier and her duet with somebody that I used to know. Uh, that came out right around the time of our wedding. A friend of ours is from New Zealand. And she came to the wedding and she was like, you will love this. This will be huge in America. I'm telling you, this is going to be huge. And so I was listening to it like as soon as it came out because my friend was like, no, no, no. We had it first. 
<laughs> don't think this is American. And I was so yeah, fast. That's all we've got. We've got, we've got, we've got Gautier and we've got Peter Jackson. So shut the fuck up, American. We don't even really have Hugh Jackman anymore. So, eh. or is he Australian? Yeah, he's Australian. No, uh, I said uh, the Lord, the Lord of the Rings guy, Peter Peter Jackson. No, I just couldn't. I, I also said Hugh Jackman. Uh, so it's like the same person, just it's all like the same name. Minus yeah, some muscle. One of the hobbits was Wolverine, the right height. So I think that it it just yeah I don't know. Why don't you? Because I've said everything I'm trying to say. I really well, do give the record like an A minus, and I give all of that follow up shit that dripped out afterward. I give all of that an A minus, and overall, I give the record an A minus. But at the end of the day, it just took too fucking long. So uh, I'll let you choose. Um, I, I I have a lot of ways I can springboard off of that. Do you want me to go with the good or the bad? Go with the bad because I do have a good that I can follow this up with. Okay, so. In my best of 2017, I'm pretty sure that Pale Waves television romance was in our 2017 mixtape. Um, yeah, it was. And we had the promise of a Pale Waves album in 2018. And we got it. Oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> we got it. Um, so, Pale Waves let their album drip out over the course of, like, a year. Um, and we got four singles from them. And then they were like, oh, yeah, those four singles were an EP. And they just, like, packaged those four YouTube, Vivo, Pale Waves, Vivo, releases, whatever, into an EP. And they're like, here's an EP. And they're like, okay, cool, we got the EP. And then they dropped an album this year, and Television Romance made it onto that album. No change, no re-recording, just like the same exact track. And the rest didn't. But the rest kind of sort of made the album, just in like those exact songs, but different songs, but worse. Like, they, they just were like, we had this idea... We don't have that many ideas. We're recording another song. That's that idea. But that song never happened. Uh, and the album, honestly, I feel like they, oh boy, uh, it's not good. It's, it's a bad album. Um, it, uh, the, the best stuff on there is stuff is like television romance. It's, it's old stuff. And the, the stuff that is good is not great. But it's okay. I hear the torture in your voice. I hear the torture in your voice. Yeah. All right. So, so let me let me let me break it down a little bit farther. Um, the album is so is is so mechanical that you know I don't want to accuse any bands of being industry plants, but Pale Waves, uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> There's no proof there, but the the release how everything was released was like. They, they dumped all of the songs that, like, they felt like they wanted people to hear way in advance of the album coming out, including tracks that are on the album. Like, the first three quote-unquote singles came out way before or right when the album was released. And the album is a... F- just the, the album itself, the art is just a bl- is black. All black. And then just in, in, like, fucking, like, Ariel font. It's just like, my mind makes noises. And that's it. Like, that's the whole cover. And it just screams to me like, this is an album that we don't give a shit about, that like people should just stream. And we know that they're only going to stream like the first five tracks. And that's how streaming works. Like the algorithms told us. So we don't really give a fuck about the rest of the album. Like there's no effort put into track listing. Like the, the two ballads are crammed next to each other in the middle of the album, which just doesn't. Because that keeps the energy going. Oh, it's, it's, it's atrocious. Um, and like I said, a bunch of the songs just sound like variations of songs from the ep um it's bad it's a bad album uh it's also why i like digital releases in some way because um 
I put together a good version of the album by taking the EP and taking the album and just like cutting six tracks from the album, changing the track order and mashing the EP into it and making like a 12 song Pale Waves like release that it actually sounds kind of good. Uh, and if that was the album, it would be pretty good, but it's not. The album kind of sucks. Um, yeah, they're not good. They're not a good band. And I, I don't think they're going to be. Um, they've had a couple of good releases, but in the long terms, like that is, that has to be my biggest disappointment of the year in a year of a lot of disappointments because this year kind of sucked. Um, so that there's kind of my addendum to last year's Chris thinking, Hey, we're getting a Pale Waves album. Yeah, we got it. It fucking sucked. <laughs> and even, even with like the best of me, like taking the good EP and mashing it in and rearranging it, that album is still just like a B. Dude, I completely get it. I finally got a follow-up Mariah Carey yes. album, and it is something else, guys. Okay, I want <laughs> I want to start with. In... You want to start with with the amazing picture of of the post the, the billboard for glitter being in front of nine eleven. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Matt. Wow, that's two bombs in one picture. So <laughs> I okay. I need to start with. Mariah Carey's Caution is a really difficult record to describe. It first started conception when she and Nick broke up publicly over Infidelity. And she released a single, Infinity, the lyrics to which are, Ooh, why you mad? Talking about you mad. Could it be that you just lost the best you ever had? Ooh, that's too bad. Ooh, those my bags show is over you ain't gotta ask and then it starts to get nonsense she's like used to be cheesy like cheetos corny like fritos out of Mm. ammo gotta reload ain't my business just tea though and then the chorus is her screaming in this insane pitch close the door lose the key it's so bad it's beyond bad there's an end to infinity and I believe infinity is more than just an impossible drihihim it is so bad Okay, the the resultant singles that came out were not inspiring either one called I don't where the lyrics are boy I was bugging thinking somehow I could trust you but you don't mean nothing and I don't I don't it's not good. It was clearly a, a very angry woman dealing with very real feelings that she was absolutely entitled to. I don't, you know, ever blame anybody going through anything, but, you know, it wasn't great music. So more singles start to tumble out, and they are uh, of varying quality. Mm-hmm. One comes out that is very... I don't know, very classic Mariah. Sort of just like a, a general ballady kind of song called With You. Her voice sounds like hell on it. It's Ooh. not super well produced. There's no Ooh. high notes in it. It's just a really... She, you know, a long time ago she decided whistling could replace singing. And oh, like no. Whispering is not good either. And she's been whispering a lot lately. So... Uh, that song wasn't great, but then she releases GTFO, and that song is fucking amazing, right? And all of a sudden, Mariah Carey is singing a song where she's like, I want you to get the fuck out. Take your tings, be on your merry way. 
and I'm so there for it. I'm so there for it, <laughs> and it's so good. And uh, we get two more singles that uh, come out before the record does, and they're both kind of like fun. They're high energy, and I'm like, wow, this is great. And then the other six songs come out, and they sound an awful lot like the album that bombed from like a decade ago, Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel, that she seems to keep trying to remake over and over and over. So they led with five very different singles, three of which were good, and then there's six songs that all sound identical that make up the rest of the album, and it's it's just like such a C album. It's like such a C. Yeah. Yep. It's just it's just an across the board C. It's it's not bad enough to be offensive and it's not good enough to be anything. It's I mean it's kind of what we always say on the show is that um you know be be terrible or or be great because the stuff that you just forget the moment you're done with it whether it's a movie or or a TV show or music it's like that's the most disappointing thing is is the the fact that you can just forget it the moment it's done. She is the first artist in the R&B Billboard chart history to ever replace herself with another record. Mm-hmm. No one has ever kicked themselves out of number one on the Billboard charts before. Right. Uh, Mariah's new record just lost to Merry Christmas. Hmm. She dethroned herself. That's how forgettable this record was. It just lost to her 1994 Christmas record. Uh, uh, oh man, I feel. I guess, I guess this this first half is just going to be disappointments. Uh, that's how we're going to do this. Then and then we'll we'll drop the good stuff after this because um, I have some more disappointments right. to talk about. Um, yeah, Michelle and Diggy Cello's cover record, real boring. Yeah, not good. I oh my god, that I listened to that actually. <laughs> oh my god, her cover of Waterfalls made me so sad. Man, like five years ago ish, maybe more. You you really turned me onto her, and I've been following, and it just has not paid off since then, since that one album. Dude, you know what? She had this steady increase, like record by record, throughout the '90s, got better and better. Uh, she starts with Plantation Lullabies, then it's um, Peace Beyond Passion and uh, Bitter. Cooking an anthropological mixtape, soul music, Jamma, Comfort Woman is one of the greatest things ever. Um, and then she got super into like modern rock for a little bit, and she made like weird aggressive rock music. Article Three is a great record. And then she gets super into Americana, and I think she and her wife broke up, and all of the songs start being sad, twangy guitar songs about being single. And I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Not and there I for do that. have. I have all these people coming to me and they're like, you promised me this funky soul woman. And I'm like, you still have the old ones. And they're like, no, I bought this the day it came out. Cause I'm like, Oh, she's covering TLC. It's going to be real great. <laughs> she sounds like Willie Nelson. And I'm like, I know, I know <sighs> it's real bad. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, um, so disappointment for me in, in a weird, in a weird way. I, I, I'll just get this out of there because it's on my list. Um, Joyce Manor, who put out my favorite album of 2017, put out a, an extremely boring album this year. It's like they leaned into the fact that someone once said, hey, you kind of sound like good Weezer. And they were like, oh, shit. And then they just became bad Weezer. <laughs> um, so they, they done you fucked know, up. The, uh, who else did that happen to? Weezer. That happens 
Yeah, yeah. And I, we, good Weezer became bad Weezer and then became bad Weezer again. Somebody was like, hey, Weezer, you guys are really popular for no reason. And they were like, well, Rivers Cuomo was like, oh, that's cool. We're Weezer now. And then they started making Weezer songs and I stopped being into it. So uh, the the other disappointment for me, like major disappointment for me was... um. The Midnight, who might be my favorite band that came out in the last five years. Um, I I adore their first three albums, uh, or maybe like an EP and two albums, however you want to look at them. But they, they dropped an album, quote-unquote, this year. Huh. And um, two of the tracks on there are my favorite tracks of the year. Like, the, the singles that they dropped before it came out. And I guess singles is relative because they're not a mainstream band. They dropped these on YouTube among the the kind of retro wave community and everyone was very hyped for this because they are maybe the best band in that genre in the vocal aspect of that genre and i'll talk about synthwave uh, a little bit down the line because a couple of those albums uh, made it into my top 20 but like there's like a vocal and instrumental aspect of that genre blah 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 they're really good the the midnight are great and if you don't know the midnight listen to them because they're really good um they dropped an album this year called um called kids and the first two things they released from it were incredible, incredible, incredible tracks. And one of those two will absolutely make the Now and Again mixtape for the end of the year. But the thing is, the problem is they they, they put out a pre-order for 25 bucks for an album. Uh, and I, I buy all of their stuff on vinyl um, because they've been so consistent. And it turned out it wasn't really an album. Um, even though the what, what I got was like a, a gatefold fucking like... Uh, Starburst pink vinyl that's beautiful um, the album is eight tracks two of which are the same song like one is a reprise one is an instrumental that's entirely samples of like commercials from the 80s the rest is is stuff we'd heard before except for one or two tracks so it really felt like an EP that dropped before they went on tour but all their fans paid $25 for off of the back of the, the the best songs being released on the internet. And it felt like they were charging a lot of money for an EP. And it turned out they kind of were because um, Tim McEwen went on, you know, when there was some backlash, he went on Twitter and was like, yeah, this is part one of like a concept thing and we're releasing the second half in spring of next year. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Like, I get it. Like, this is like the the, the nostalgia portion of the, the, the idea and the next one's going to be like the old midnight and it's going to be like darker and blah, blah, blah. Okay, sure. Like you, you, you got us all to pay a lot of money off of this, off of, off of some ideas that you knew were like you, but we're not representative of what this album was. So I was kind of disappointed in them as an artist. And it actually uh, made me not, not pay any money to see them live when they were in Philly. Uh, like I was planning on, uh, that said the, the three or four songs off of that, EP slash album that are songs are incredible and are really good. It's just I wish they were on an EP <laughs> and and not this this sprawling uh, album of just wasted time. I really get it. I really really that's how I kind of felt about the Kimber record. Yeah. So so that was that was kind of brutal. Despite the fact that there were some really good tracks on there, and probably America Two will be on our mixtape because um, it's an incredible track. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the end of my, my my full on disappointments. I have a couple of surprises um, that I wanna I wanna touch on. Did you did you have? And I'll, I'll I'll throw this to you, and you can think about it. And I'll, I'll I'll talk. I'll edit it to make it sound like we're not thinking about it. Um, did you have any tracks this year 
from artists that you didn't expect to have great tracks from? Because I have, I have a lot of individual tracks that I really liked. Some are just like fun YouTube things that I think everyone should check out. But I had a, there's a couple of tracks from artists from like my past that put out really good single releases this year that I loved. I don't think I had any major surprises. I had uh, an amazing single by Janet that was supposed to be followed up by a record, and the record is nowhere to be found. Oh. But she's definitely recorded the second single from it as well because she's already done the video. Made for Now was excellent, a lot of fun, high energy, really positive, continues a lot of what uh, the last record introduced. But there were seven months between the last record as first single and the record itself. I believe we are passing that mark now, but I still have hope. Basically, I didn't have any surprises. I uh, have one more record to talk about, and I expected it to be good, so that's it. So single single things that I liked to wrap up this side of the of the month. Um, some surprises here, um, but some not so surprised. I mean, Sicko Mode, I think a lot of people like that. Uh, Travis Scott and Drake. Um, though, <laughs> Drake rapping about how he... How he took the prescribed amount of Xanax is maybe the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard in music. <laughs> uh, it's real bad. So, but the rest of that song is great. Um, um, and then I, I have this broken down to a couple of things. Um, YouTube just made some really good stuff this year. Um, that Take On Me Kendrick Lamar mashup is fantastic and might be the closer to this episode if you haven't heard it. Uh, it's super fucking good. As well as the guy on YouTube, I'm going to check the liner notes. We haven't been doing liner notes a lot lately because we don't talk about anything interesting. Uh, well, we talk about a lot interesting, but we don't like reference stuff. Um, but uh, a guy has been taking uh, the isolated vocals for songs and making them into 80s tracks. And there's an 80s version of Fall Out Boy's uh, Sugar We're Going Down. That is fucking incredible. And, <laughs> like, that is one of my favorite things from 2018. Um, and despite the fact that that is, like, from 2006 or 7 or whatever, the, this this kind of reinterpretation, reimagining of that song is great. And uh highly recommend that. Um, a, a track from an artist that I didn't know was even an artist, um, Joji's Slow Dancing in the Dark. Um, the album that came with it was really forgettable and uninteresting. Um, but that track, specifically, I really liked um, it surprised me that he, he was Filthy Frank, like the guy from, from the, the weird, like, aggressive, offensive, like, YouTube videos, like, he, he stopped doing that, and now he's just making, like, R&B music, and it was actually kind of good, but this track was especially good, um, so. Interesting. Re- recommend to, uh, Joji's Slow Dance in the Dark, I think that's one of my favorite tracks of the year. And then, oh boy, here's, here's, <laughs> Okay. So here's two blasts from the past that made two really good tracks, and I can't believe I'm going to say this stuff, um, but here we go. Um, Gerard Way, uh, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, dropped a single this year called Baby You're a Haunted House. That is excellent. Um, he's dropped a couple more since then, which I imagine is in the lead up to an album that are not that great. Actually, one of them is really bad. Um, but Baby You're a Haunted House, really good fun, um, poppy track. Someone described it as Tim Burton meets the Beatles. <laughs> and I think that's actually kind of accurate. It's really just, it's a fun, it's a fun track by the guy who was in My Comic Romance, which I didn't expect to ever say that sentence again. Um, additionally, speaking of sentences and names, I never thought I'd say again. Dashboard Confessional put an album this year, and it's really forgettable and not interesting, but I was lulled into listening to it because the lead track 
called We Fight is great. It is an excellent, excellent song um, from an artist who just, I mean, from my own memory, just kind of made the same song a bunch of times to sad emo kids in 2006 and wrote off that for a long time. But We Fight sounds like if brand new finished Deja Entendo and then kept making that sound instead of changing their sound. Um, not that they made a bad sound, but just kept that style, but were a little less depressing. Um, and it's a really good track. We Fight is really good. It's well produced. Uh, it is um, well composed. The lyrics are interesting. His voice is really strong, considering he hasn't made an album in like 10 years. <laughs> like, I, It sounds really out of left field, but honest to God, Dashboard made an incredible single this year. The rest of that album... Don't do what I did and listen to it. It's not good. Uh, but We Fight by Dashboard Confessional, excellent track in, in just generally a, a bad year of music. Uh, was very surprised by a song by Chris Caraba and, and Gerard Way that I liked in 2018, or at all. As a, <laughs> um, so that kind of wraps up for me my disappointments and surprises of 2018 before we get into the good shit on side B. How about you, Nico? Anything else? No, I think I really did feel a strong disconnect from music for the most part yeah. this year. One of the things that I've been enjoying about now and again is it's forced me to look at eras of music that I maybe haven't examined either holistically or carefully in a long time. And so I've had a lot of fun rediscovering shit. Uh, an artist I really liked recently announced that they retired, or I found out that I missed her goodbye tour last year which mm. sucks but so I've been re-examining her catalog I've just been going all over the place enjoying music I don't think I've really been connecting with what's been coming out regularly mm. I'm still making sure to randomly play things every week up on Google Play but for me music has been a little bit more of an escape place that I'm enjoying my comfort zone than somewhere I'm looking for new lately yeah, and until next week when we kind of talk about the things that, you know, the, the very few things in 2018 that didn't let us down. Nico, where can people find you? There's there's so many more places since since last time. I had to edit, when I, when I was editing, just behind the curtain, um, I edited an episode in, I think for November, where he was talking about cons he was going to be at in August. And I was like, well, I guess we'll just, we'll just cut that. <laughs> but uh, Nico... Uh, where can people find you now in yeah. the end of 2018 slash beginning of 2019? We're actually not going to be out on the road again for a little while until sometime in 2019. Until then, you guys can check out Kid Riot at KidRiotComics.com, where we're currently working on Riot Squad and its sister book, Capes and Boots. As always, you can check out my music project, Action Duo, over on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Action Duo. And you can check out shirtless, thoughty pictures of me on my Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. I guess you can't do that on Tumblr anymore, because now no one's allowed to have sex on Tumblr. <laughs> so you can check out everything. I'm too fucking dig. It's the fucking craziest thing. No, for one second. Yeah, Nico Action, N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. It's the craziest thing, though, because the photos that, would, that are now going to get blocked on Tumblr, right, I can get away with more indecency on Instagram than I can on Scruff. Which is a well, I think I just saw a thing about how Tumblr's like algorithm for blocking stuff was like was like blocking art and just this blocking the wrongest shit. But if you tagged something slightly different, you could show full like full just like spread spread vag just all day if you just tagged it slightly differently. Tumblr's gonna die in the next R.I.P. Tumblr 2019. Let's just get that eulogy well, out of the way. Yeah. You done fucked up. Well, what I wanted to invent porn blur before it's too late and just get real famous real quick. 
Oh, something, some tech bros have already decided to slip into that, slip into Tumblr's DMs and be like, yo, you want to come here? <laughs> it's, it's already happened. Porn, porn, porn. Well, till porn. How the internet works. Yeah, uh, until, <laughs> until, until, until porn and uh, more things that didn't disappoint us <laughs> in 2018. Uh, we'll catch you in the back door. Uh, on the flip side. Yeah.